You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome into the InsideCarolina.com On The Beat Live. I'm your host, Tommy Ashley. That's Gregory Hall. We've got a special guest, and we're always sponsored by Johnny T-Shirt and JohnnyT-Shirt.com. Johnny T-Shirt sponsors us, and what does Johnny T-Shirt do? They sell gear, and this time of year, they sell baseball gear. And they've got the fabulous um, Tar Heel scripted uh, Carolina blue shirts that the baseball team wears. And why am I talking about baseball? Because we've got the head man, Mr. Scott Forbes. How you doing, Scott? I'm great. I appreciate y'all having me on. It's awesome to be on and excited to be getting ready for this regional. It is a, a pleasure to have you, and especially when you've got so much going on. And so we'll get right into it. Um, and I mentioned it just briefly off the air, but I want to ask you on the air is 18-2 and two start, you're hot. 15-2 uh, close, you're hot. 5-15 and 15 in the middle there. It sort of <laughs> went off the rails. Um, and, and I've always wanted to know, A, have you ever been a part of anything like that? Um, and, and B, what changed to make it go south? And then what changed again to make it go back straight up? Yeah, those are great questions. Um, to answer the first one, 2018, we had a rough start. At one point, I think we might have been eight and eight or eight and nine. Um, but we, we re regrouped and that team made it to Omaha. And that team actually wasn't as talented as the team in 17 that I thought, you know, we had three first-round picks and we didn't make it to Omaha. We got beat by Davison. Uh, so that was a neat year to see that, you know, a little bit less talent. So more has to happen than just have talent. But honestly, I can't remember in all of my years of, um, you know, nobody really expected much out of us, at least from the rankings and all that stuff to start the season. And all of a sudden we start hot, like you said, and uh, we play really, really well and our guys are gain gaining confidence. And I think we're in the top. 15 of a lot of polls and we go to Miami and we get swept, um, you know, and, and we were ahead on Sunday, two to one with two outs, runner on second base and an 0-2 count. They got a hit and they beat us in 14 innings. And really from that stretch to Virginia, we just, we honestly, we just struggled getting the wins. We were in a lot of those games, you know, you can chalk up probably if you play, 56 regular season games, what we usually play just in the game of baseball, five or six, you're going to have some tough days, you know, where your pitchers don't pitch good. You don't hit, maybe you make some base running mistakes, but for the most part, when we were in that, what I kept holding on to was, okay, number one, I really like our group. We've got a great group. They work. I think we've got some talent and we really, I think the biggest problem was the starting pitching. And in baseball, when you don't get quality starts, it's hard to finish games. So we said, okay, the two things we've got to get better at some way, shape or form, were really three things. Um, you know, we've got to get more starting pitching or deeper. We've got to, we got to stop making mistakes defensively. And then we've got to cut back on our strikeouts. You know, that's what we talk to our guys about. And, but we also have to stay positive. We have to stay together. Um, and like coach Davis said with the basketball team, 
you know, the only, the most important thing is that we believe we can do it. And I think this group kept believing. And then you get the exam break, you know, we lose that, that heartbreaker. We lost a bomb threat game at Louisville, 14 innings. And then Virginia, we score three on Saturday to take the lead. And then we lose an extra innings. And that was a gut punch. That was why I was like, okay, our season's either going to go down the drain or these guys are going to maybe find a way. And we didn't react. We didn't respond great on Sunday. They beat us pretty good. We got back um, and we had exam break coming and we played a good Liberty team and we actually played pretty good. And I was like, okay, maybe this break is coming at a good time. Cause sometimes, you know, we've had teams here. I'm like, I don't want to break. We're rolling. We need to keep playing. So this team, it kind of hit us at a good time. Um, we beat Liberty. We had that week, and then we won that 10-inning game against Charlotte, which was a big win for us. And I think one of the pivotal things that happened with this team is we won the two one-run games at NC State. And even though we didn't play great, I think just learning how to win in those games on the road in a tough environment against one of our rivals definitely gave our guys that, that confidence back. And personally, I just – I felt like, okay, if we can keep our head above water, we finish at home. And the Hills are good at home. And, you know, I knew Wake was good. I knew Florida State was good. Um, and then that confidence factor kind of flipped. And, you know, the Wilmington canceled the game on us, which looking back on it may not have been a bad thing because we rested some of our pitchers. And then Alberto Osuna. I thought that swing in the bat, the NC State series – Osuna swinging the bat on Thursday night to walk off Florida State. It's like all of a sudden I see this group of guys and they think they can beat anybody, just like right after that swing of the bat. And they've carried it over. So, you know, I have to give a lot of credit to our players believing in us as coaches, preaching, you know, being positive, eliminate the distractions, like Coach Davis said. It doesn't do any good to look back. There's still some things we can do that are in front of us. Um, and then they did it. You know, we did we did challenge our team and say, hey, we're at the point after this Virginia game where we got we have to play every game like it's the postseason because it is. If we don't finish at a really high rate and finish strong, we're not going to get what we want what we want. And sure enough, this group, I mean, I told them today, as a matter of fact, I was like, hey, you guys, I just want to thank you because this has been an unbelievable thing to watch as your head coach because this team has been every team's different every team has a different identity but one thing about this team is from the start of the fall to right now for the most part you know you're dealing with a bunch of young kids that are 18 to 22 23 years old you know we haven't had any problems they've done a good job in the classroom they've done a great job off the field in the community so it's been cool to see with your pitching i mean Obviously, you got three quality starts in the ACC tournament out of Carlson. Obviously, what Schaefer did was one of the most incredible performances I've ever seen live. I mean, you're shutting out one of the best offenses in the country. Um, what did it take for them to be a part of that surge down the stretch? You know, our pitching coach, who I've known from the day, you know, he came here from Liberty, I, you know, he – I knew he had it. Um, coach Gaines is meticulous. He spends a lot of time um, with those pitchers. And I just, you know, I, I knew it was just a matter of time before these guys, you would start seeing more of that because he was on those teams, you know, that went to Omaha four years in a row. Um, he stayed and came back because he had Tommy John in 11. Um, but the biggest key was saying, okay, we got we to get Carlson in shape for that one-two punch 
to give us some length. And Carlson did have the blister that popped up at Miami, so that hurt him some. But we knew with Davis Palermo emerging as a like a legit back-end guy, if we could get the length more and we could eliminate, you know, defensively you have to make plays too for your pitchers. And if you really break down that stretch, Tommy, we were we were giving extra outs. That was you know, some, I some like, rough fielding. Yeah, like you got to make plays and you can't give extra outs. And our guys, you know, we spent a lot of time on that and, and talking about it. Um, but those two guys, I, I thought at the beginning of the season, I thought okay, these two guys are legit ACC starters. They just didn't get off. You know, they, even even early when we were 18 and two or whatever we were, they weren't throwing six or seven innings necessarily. Um, so that concerned me a little bit. But obviously they've saved their best for down the stretch because they've both been really good. Let me ask you this. Uh, I mean, obviously, Vance was fabulous out of the gate. Um, my son's got his best friends down at Rice. He tore it up to start with, and then he hit a wall. And obviously, these high-level kids play a ton of baseball mm-hmm. all throughout high school and play a lot of baseball. But when you get to college, it's different, especially on the D1 level. How much of a factor was that in the, in the swoon? And then as coaches – it's easy to stay positive, right? But it's difficult to have kids that have always had success and then all of a sudden not having success. How tough was it to keep them to keep them there? You know, in the moment, um, you might be over ten or whatever. You might be struggling. We're going to back you down the lineup. But stay there. Stay with us, and we'll get it. I mean, it's sort of like what Hubert Davis did on the basketball yeah. side. How, how is that as a coach, as a You've been around the game forever. You went from making suggestions to making decisions, like Hubert always likes to say. Explain that process. Yeah, you know, you look at Vance, um, and he struck out some in the preseason. And, you know, mechanically he had that – it was a tilt of a swing, which he's so athletic and he started so hot. We didn't make – we were like, okay, you know, maybe he can can keep that tilt if he gets it done early – but, we, you know, Coach Wurzbicki had repeatedly said, you know, I just – I'm hoping that he can sustain it because as the pitching gets better and the velocity gets better, you got a little bit of a loop. Um, and sure enough, with our league and, and the advanced videos, I mean, you know, teams figure you out pretty quick. I was a pitching coach for 10 years, and, you know, that – I'm going to I'm gonna know who the best hitter is, what his hole is, how we're going to attack him. So to give Coach Wurzbicki advanced credit, you know, and I'll answer this in two parts, they got back there in the cages, and they completely eliminated that tilt. And that's hard to do in the middle of the season. Some kids aren't athletic enough to be able to feel it and adjust it. But Vance did it so fast that we noticed it even in practice. And we were like, people are going to probably think we're crazy, but we're going to move them from the nine hole to the four hole. And I think we did that at NC State just because it looked like to all of us, he's just getting to more pitches. And, you know, he's a special kid too because he is so coachable. Um, he's not caught up in himself. He's a team guy. He wants to win. So that – and the other part is, you know, I think a big thing that we have to do as coaches, especially in baseball, is is drag kids through failure because it's hard. You know, they're going to fail. And all the eyes are going to go to you too during those tough stretches. And how are you handling them as the head coach? Like, are you saying be positive, but you're not positive and you're pouting and your body language is terrible? And it's hard, like you said, it's – Sometimes it's not easy because you got the inner struggle because you're like, it's eating you up that you're struggling. But one thing I'll say about Vance is uh, it never affected his defense. 
and I thought he's played his elite center field and saved us more runs than any – I was shocked he didn't get the defensive player of the year over Usher at Louisville. He's a good player, but I thought Vance was the best center fielder in our conference. Um, but there are a lot of players like that, you know, and then when they go through it, Tommy, they come back stronger. Like Danny went through it last year, and I think that's why Danny's had so much success this year because they learn how to handle that failure. And in baseball, you just got to go ahead and say, I'm going to fail some, especially as a hitter, because you're going to. But pitchers, they can go through slumps as well. And we went through a little bit of one. Speaking of um, Danny, Scott, your leaders, Danny, Zarate, um, I think you had 11 guys honored at senior day that graduated. Um, we call it that... graduation day because they yeah. have eligibility left. Some of them have two years, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, what's their role this week? I mean, Danny's won two ACC titles. He's played in regionals. Um, he's played in a super regional in 19, yeah. right? What, yeah. What's their role this week on the leadership aspect? Well, really to communicate with me, and that's my job to talk to the guys that have been through it too. Like an example is today, like, what have y'all thought about the practices? It's been hot. Are we going short enough? Is everybody feeling good? So you want feedback and you want to listen to your players. But their role, too, is to tell these young guys, like, hey, you're going to have nerves. And I think that was very important. You know, it's such a momentum-based game, and that's why I'm glad we're playing Friday already coming off Sunday. And it helps, you know, when you play in a big game. I was glad we played NC State because I knew the atmosphere would be legit. And these younger guys that haven't played in it, I mean, the Bosch probably won't be to hold 10,000. But, it, you know, it's still going to be – it's a regional. You know, your season's on the line. But when you've had guys that have been through it, they can help those guys. Um, you know, just say, hey, here's what it's going to be like. You know, we have to eat at a different place for our pregame meal because of the locker room adjustments and all that stuff. But the other thing their job is is to perform. I mean, they know it. Like, hey, like Coach Williams said – it says players got to play. And that's why we are where we are. I mean, Danny Ceretti and Angel Zarate have led us in, in not just on the field. I mean, not just off the field, but also on the field. And so, but some of our other guys that graduated in Davis Palermo and, you know, Brandon Shavers a transfer, but he's an older guy. So that's what you have to count on um, going down the stretch and going into these po this postseason. How in uh, – you mentioned it earlier, and I, I think it's the ultimate thing, but starting pitching, how important is that in these regionals? I know they're little four-team tournaments or whatever, and obviously yeah. the first two games are – the first you win the first two, you're in catbird seat. Starting pitching for you, uh, what's that mean for you, and what would you like to see this weekend? Yeah, I mean, it's the name of the game, and regionals are harder than super regionals, in my opinion. They've always been. Now, you're drawing a super regional. At the end of the day, anybody can win a three-game series. In that regional, I mean, like you said, you get in the loser's bracket, it's a fight. Um, you get in the winner's bracket, you got a better shot even if you lose that third game. We're going to start Carlson game one. Um, Max has just been better off shorter rests, uh, and I think that's from him missing most of the season last year and the fact that we've managed him so well. He's only at 66 or 68 innings. Uh, so, guys, sometimes this time of year, if they get that long break um, and they're not – plus plus command max has good command but it's not plus plus like Schaefer's. the more they can pitch the better you know you would like their their rest to be a minimum of four and a maximum probably of five those two for me i don't like the six or seven 
So I was, that was one reason I was so excited he got to start Tuesday and Sunday because I was really concerned if he only threw Tuesday. If we'd have played Wednesday, Carlson couldn't start against NC State, and he would have gone nine days without a start. Um, but we need him to give us a good start. Uh, we do feel good about our bullpen now. And the way our pitching set up now, we don't necessarily need Carlson to go eight innings because we do feel like Schaefer is our guy that's got a chance to go out there and go seven. So we can manage our bullpen game one knowing we may not need as much from them game two. So really, you know, for me, I just want those guys to do what they've been doing during this stretch and pitch the same way. And I told them today, I mean, you, look what you just did. I mean, you played four really good teams in the ACC tournament. We just need to have the same approach, go out there. And, and, and the guys have done a really good job of being aggressive and, and not playing on their heels. And I felt like during that stretch, anytime you get a little gun shy, you know, you just kind of, you revert on your heels instead of your toes and go after after teams. I'm going to let Gregory handle the regional preview, um, but I want to ask you a question as, as a Carolina guy. Beaten NC State in ACC championship. And a former <laughs> NC State guy. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Well, we'll pass on that. Well, I, who, me? Well, you, or you? Who was Not me. Head? Okay. Yeah, that's a hidden pass there, Greg. Come on, man. <laughs> um, you know, for our fans and our guys, I mean, I try to take – it's hard sometimes because we're all competitive. You know, you're, 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 I'm a competitive guy. And, you know, I was hoping we would play state just because I thought it would be awesome. I mean, this is Charlotte. It's going to pack the house. And then you wake up and you're like, okay, here we go. You know, NC State in North Carolina. Um, but yeah, I mean, I can't, I can't pretend that it wasn't a little more enjoyable. <laughs> yeah, it does. I, I will admit, I was on a boat out in the ocean somewhere and checked the score on satellite radio and it said nine one. I turned it off. I was like, yeah, I'm not going to jinx that one. Uh, <laughs> well, I appreciate you doing that. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's, it's hard always, to get those last couple of hours. Yeah. And I was going to say that, you know, you start getting an eighth and ninth inning and trying to get those guys out. And all you hear about is Tommy white's coming up and all this. And yeah, I'm turning that one off. So, uh, I'm glad y'all were able to handle business with this one not watching. Go ahead, Gregory. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, Scott, before we let you go here, Georgia, VCU, Hofstra, you play Hofstra on Friday. You just said Carlson's got the ball game one. Just as you've had a couple of days to learn about these teams, what have you seen? Um, what are you expecting out of your team against them? What are you expecting out of them? Obviously, you don't know if you're going to play Georgia or VCU and whatnot. But yeah. just, what, have, what have you seen there? Well, I reminded our coaches, too. I was like, don't cloud your brain too much because I've made that mistake, you know, all those years preparing for regionals and, and stuff. It's easier, super regionals, one team. So focus on Hofstra. Um, you can put your, you know, get our numbers and our reports set up however we want, but let's don't spend our time yet on VCU and Georgia until we know who we're going to play because we'll figure out, you know, even if you go to bed later, you get up early. Now with the video as advanced as it is, you can – figure that stuff out pretty quick. So we've been working on Hofstra. Um, the other teams, they're great teams. Obviously, they've got tradition, BCU and Georgia. Uh, but Hofstra is, I believe, this is their first NCAA tournament appearance, somebody was telling me. But they're older. And anytime you're playing against a bunch of seniors or grads, I mean, they're grown men. You know, fortunately for us this year, you know, we are playing 
besides Vance. You know, we've got a couple of young guys, but our guys are, are, have experience at least. But these guys are, when I say older, fourth or fifth year players. Um, they've got a 14 year major leaguer as their head coach. Um, everybody I've talked to said that, you know, they're fundamentally sound. They play hard. They're not going to quit. They're scrappy. And that's to be expected. And the great thing about baseball, you guys know, is anything can happen. Um, one guy's on on the mound. So, you know, what I explained to our guys is that we, we're going to have to play well. We're going to have to play with the same focus we did against Clemson, Virginia Tech, Notre Dame, NC State, for us to have success. Um, so, you know, they're going to be a challenge. You know, they, they've got some guys that throw a lot of strikes, and they're older. Um, they've got some high spin rates analytically, so they're trying to get you to hit fly balls and, and sit at the top of the zone. Um, but Coach Weir will have our guys ready. Coach Gaines will have our pitchers ready. Um, my job as the head coach is to learn from my experience. You know, one thing I don't want to happen is these guys, I want them to continue to play aggressive and loose um, because you cannot play this game tight. We learned that in 2017. There's one thing I could go back and do, maybe is talk to that team more before, like, okay, you know, here's how it's going to be. Because that team had missed the regionals two years in a row. Um, this team, not so much. That's why I thought last year, Greg, it was so important for us to get into the postseason, even though it was on the road, because now you know what it's like. Um, so I'm excited to watch our guys, man. They, you can tell that they're ready, and, and I've just tried to keep them fresh and, and not, not do too much on the field this week. Well, Scott, we appreciate your time. Um, thanks for joining us, and, and good luck this weekend. Yeah, thanks a ton. Just, you know, everybody out there watching, please come. We're Carolina Blue. We need a home field advantage. Absolutely. Appreciate it, Coach. Uh, always good to talk baseball. Yeah, thank you all. Tom, for having me. Y'all have a good night. Yes, sir. Take care. We're going to take a short break. Come back inside Carolina.com on the beat live. Johnny T-shirt and Johnny T-shirt.com. Johnny T-shirt, like I said earlier, get your swag. Get your baseball swag at Johnny T-shirt before you head over to the Bosch to see the Tar Heels play Hofstra and then either VCU or Georgia or both in some form over the course of the weekend. We'll be right back after the national guys pay the bills. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We're back on the beat live. Gregory Hall, Tommy Ashley here. Coach Scott Forbes joined us. Uh, you know, look, I'm going to tell you something, Gregory. Uh, we talk a lot of baseball, or excuse me, a lot of basketball and a lot of football here. But baseball is in my blood. And it always has been. And so it is awesome that you uh, said, let's get Coach Forbes on here and get a chance to talk to him. I could talk that forever. Um, maybe we'll get him on one day after they win the regional and all that. Look at you. Got my Tim McCarver bobblehead right above my PC setup. 
man, you are, you are, uh, you are that guy. But I, I mean, it's interesting to hear him discuss. I mean, they were 18 and two and granted the level of competition was not good, but they went in tank. Well, it's, it was good. They've got one of the best non-conference strength of schedules in the country. It wasn't like, ACC good, ACC level good. On non-conference standards, yeah, it was yeah. good, you know. And they and, dominated. And they go five and fifteen over that stretch. And look, I've been around kids enough or, or young men enough to love, to know that when things aren't going well, it's hard to keep them in it. And he was able to do that, and his coaching staff were able to do it. I did think it was interesting that he mentioned Vance Honeycutt's struggles. Um, not affecting his defense. And that's huge because we talk about that a ton, um, more so on the basketball side than on the football side. But if, if you're not putting the ball in the basket, at least do something else. And we saw what Leaky Black was able to do um, during the basketball. Um, but the, the fact that he mentioned that about Honeycutt, I mean, it says it all about how this team was able to survive that. Um, your thoughts on that? Your thoughts on where they are now? I mean, it's tough to argue with what they've done over the last month. Yeah, and Scott there mentioned – I keep fixing my hat for some reason. I just noticed that's like the fourth time I've done that. Um, Scott mentioned the pitching, right, and that's kind of where it was pitching, it was defense, and then it was also the timely hitting. But That was really the only issue on the offensive side. The offense has been really steady and consistent most of the year. Now, it's hard to put up. 35 runs in four games like they did in the ACC tournament. They weren't doing that all year. Um, but but they were – I mean, they lost a series of Georgia Tech and they put up 30-plus runs, right? Like, that's an issue. You look at their stats and whatnot um, comparatively, uh, UNC is uh, – had the pitching stats here. They're 273rd in the country in home runs allowed. Like, they've allowed, they've allowed 75 home runs. Like, that's where the issues were. And pitching, um, and you mentioned Honeycutt, he was slumping, to say the least. Like, he had been a consistent 280 uh, hitter and things like that, and then has just been on an – he dropped all the way down to about 250 or so. But then since in the month of May, I wrote about it the other day, I mean, he had 11 home runs. Um, he was hitting almost 400 to get – UNC like that boost to move into the four hole and it was just it was just crazy I mean they the way that they turned it on and they beat state two out of three they beat wake two out of three then they sweep Florida State and just ride that momentum into this tournament to be a number 10 national seed and not even that I mean they deserved a top eight seed if you look at their resume um and then Greg wrote about it and obviously with NC state, not even making the tournament, the ACC didn't have nearly as many teams as people thought they would get. They probably should have had at least 10 teams, um, if not 11. So it's just, it's insane. The turnaround and the ability for the coaching staff to understand that this team is good. And it helps that you can look at that 18 and two start and be like, guys, look, we, we did it. Like we, not even that they started the ACC, schedule with a sweep over Pitt, um, a series win over Duke. And now granted Pitt and Duke are not two of the best teams in the conference, but still like it's a little bit of confidence there. Um, and then they just flipped a switch and have won 15 of their last 17 and honestly got a pretty good draw 
in the regional this weekend, which I think should help them. Um, regionals are tough, but as far as you look across the board, it might be one of the quote unquote easiest. It's not easy by any means, but one of the best draws for a regional that they could have gotten. Yeah. Like you mentioned, you get one guy hot on the mound for another team. I mean, we've seen it. It, yeah. it only takes one. What's crazy is you look at a team like Tennessee, they got three. They got three oh, of those guys. That is, they're a different story. <laughs> they're uh, they're crazy. But you, you know, to see to see the guys get it going. Looking at he mentioned that UNC Charlotte game, and I remember paying attention to that on the GameCast to win that one. I mean, they took off on May third, and, and I think though um, beating NC State and that kind of weird series where they played Friday and then finished Sunday. Um, both games and were able to win that one. Like you mentioned, it just sort of took off for them. And and also the Liberty game early because Liberty's beaten them several times. Um, they beat them this year. Yeah, and they've One always nothing. been a pain for them. But anyway, to, to go into the ACC tournament um, and like you said, play loose and do all that, I'll be interested to see if they can put it together in the postseason. It gets, it gets tighter and tighter. So um, we'll see how they do. But Vance Honeycutt, Asuna, all those guys, um, you guys, Zarate, Soretti, they've all performed um, and they've had to. And so what, what was your – what you covered a lot of the baseball. Let me ask you this. What was your moment in the Bosch this year? For me, my lasting memory in the Bosch, and this is why we need to get back there this weekend, is that Georgia Tech game we were sitting in mm-hmm. where they could not throw a strike. And then when they did throw a strike, they hit it, Georgia State hit it in the parking lot. What was yours? Uh, my mind immediately goes to two. Vance Honeycutt's first game was special. I mean, the kid hit two home runs in his college debut. And then regardless of the slump in the middle, he's still the first Division One freshman to hit 20-plus home runs and have 20-plus stolen bases since 2011, which is when they changed the bats to these BB core bats instead of the aluminum alloy. So I think back to that and just being like, man, UNC has got a dude. Um, And it was very obvious that they had some other dudes. And that's why Pat James, who covers the team relentlessly as well, um, when we kind of talk about how this team turned it around, it was never an issue about – now, 15 and two is a different type of turnaround, but it wasn't about whether or not they could be good. It was when they were going to be good because we knew they were talented. I mean, as soon as got the power, Vance Honeycutt's got all the tools, Soretti's right. Like that was obvious. So that's kind of one moment was that first game. And then the last game, the sweep of Florida State, it's really hard to sweep a team in baseball. I mean, it just is, especially a talent. Now, Pitt. I mean, Pitt ended up in the final four of the ACC tournament, but as far as Florida State, like there was that game mattered as far as seeding wise. Um, and they just took it to Florida State and got their own, um, second conference sweep of the season, first since the very first conference series against Pitt. So those two games and that one against Florida State was like, this team could do something here heading into the postseason play. Um, and they did and four and oh that I mean that week in Charlotte was insane um, I, I don't even really remember the Clemson game just because that Friday Saturday and Sunday was just so dominant and Schaefer's Brandon Schaefer it wasn't in the Bosch but that just watching that performance he threw 102 pitches to Virginia Tech 99 fastballs Tommy 
a college pitcher threw 99 fastballs and allowed six hits, struck out six, and didn't allow a run. You know how hard that is? Yeah, did that and survived it. I mean, just all about location, all about I'm getting ahead. I mean, look, they got on a roll. They've stayed on a roll. It is, um, and I mentioned it to him, it is just strange. I don't know if strange is the word or or just to see the the same type role the basketball team made. And, uh, you know, that that he and Coach Davis are are good friends to see them both get it. Because, look, there were people – not saying nice things about Scott Forbes when they were struggling. And, uh, you know, we see how it goes. It just takes times to get it going. Let's go. You want to answer this question. Do you want me to take on this question? Are we going to switch sports? We can just talk about whatever. This is the open floor stuff. If Ross Martin and, and Joey Powell want to get in here, they can get in here and join up the show. Yeah, DM me on Slack. Yeah, they can uh, if they want to get in. But Meyer going to Illinois instead of coming to Carolina. I mean, is it surprising to me? I don't – I mean, is it to you? Not really. Does Carolina need a guy? I felt like Carolina needed an extra body. Um, can they survive without one? Sure, but Puff and Styles and those guys are going to have to step up and play well. But Meyer going to Illinois, he just did not seem – if he's not coming to Chapel Hill to visit, I just don't see how a kid like that would come to Chapel Hill, period. What do you think? Yeah, if, if you're going to choose um, before a visit, you, you really you – mu- you've got to have a great relationship with the coaching staff um, because if you're not falling in love with the campus, then that's really all that matters, either that um, or just kind of like your, the vision that you have for what you want out of your role and your playing time. And that obviously he, he liked it better at Illinois because it's not like Carolina wasn't saying we want you, right? It's not like that Carolina wasn't courting Meyer. Um, so that's kind of was my takeaway with that. Um, now obviously Nance is going through the draft and he has until today to withdraw, correct? He withdrew. He did withdrew? Roughly withdraw, two hours withdrew. ago, Mr. Ben Sherman posted well, there that you he go. withdrew from the draft. So who knows what happens with that? Um now I I'll be honest, I was also doing the whole Meyer and Brady comparison. Now obviously they're different players and different shooters and all of that. Um, but at the end of the day, no one could have predicted what Brady did this past year based on his three years at, at or four years at Oklahoma. Um, and it, it kind of would have been the same way with Meyer. Like, I, I think people would have had these high expectations for him to be one of the guys. Um, and maybe that was something that he, he didn't want to constantly be compared to. I have no idea. I'm just throwing out ideas here and things that I've thought about. Um, but th- that could have played a role as well. I have no idea. Or he, at the end of the day, he liked Illinois. He, he's at Illinois. He's be wearing, what are they, orange and navy, um, yep. the fighting Illini. So Myers there and UNC's still searching. Yeah, I mean, and here's the deal. Nobody expected what Brady Manick did. But once he did it, everybody expects the next person to do that. And I think that's unrealistic. I mean, Manic was a unicorn that Carolina struck gold on. And when he stood up, at, it was a UNC Asheville game and ripped the team. Uh, yeah. yeah, they like, they beat Asheville. It was either Asheville or App. They like beat them, but, but like it was, it was close there for a little bit. And then they pulled away and he was like, 
we got to beat teams like that way by way more. Yeah. Yeah. So, and for a new guy that hadn't been in the program at all to unload like that in a public forum, who knows what happened in private? I'm sure it was worse in private, but to do that on in a press conference, that told me right there, this dude is different. He has stones that maybe somebody else wouldn't do. And not only that, they listened and they came along eventually and they woke up and, uh, yeah, so I just think anybody that comes in, whether it's Nance, whether it's nobody, whoever, um, I just think that the expectations are going to be ridiculous. And I was thinking about that. It's a, you bring up an interesting point. What Cam Johnson did as a transfer, now granted he had two years, but what he did was phenomenal. And then Justin Pierce and Christian Keeling coming in, I think they had some of those expectations put on them. And they weren't Cam Johnson, which is, I mean, no fault of theirs. I mean, Cam Johnson is playing legit minutes for the Phoenix Suns in the NBA. You know, like Cam Johnson's a really good player. Justin Pierce and Christian Keeling were good players for Carolina. Um, so I, I think they faced some of those expectations after Cam. And I think fans were like, oh, we missed on those guys when it's really not the, not the case per se. Um, now, granted, they, they weren't always excellent, but they were solid players. Um, and then it kind of mitigated those expectations for Brady coming in. They, people saw what Brady's numbers were. They're like, all right. I mean, I didn't even have Brady starting to start the season in my prediction. You know, like I was wrong on that. I think a lot of people, a lot of other people were as well. Um, so it just kind of shows that the transfer portals hit or miss. Um, now McCoy came along down the stretch there and, and gave some valuable, they don't win the Baylor game without him, in my opinion. I'm not saying he was the end-all be-all in that game. I mean, you could point to RJ. You could point to Dontrez. Like, you could point to everyone on the team there. But, like, you take out McCoy, yeah, he made some mistakes to blow the lead originally. But without him, like, they're down another body, you know? Um, so it, it's just – it's hard to predict and project and talk about transfers. And the next guy coming in could be like Cam and Brady, could be uh, like Dawson and Justin that just aren't quite – able to get to the level they need to you know so we'll see yeah i mean they uh you know well dontre style sitting biggest shot of the year um for carolina at least to me ross martin calling you out in chat he won't get in here and talk about it but he'll call us out in chat come on ross you've been wanting to be on on the beat live get in it um but you know, I, I just think whatever Carolina does, Hubert Davis is – he had some capital going into last season. He now has a lot more capital going into this season. And, and to be honest, it's kind of torn to be whether or not you let Puff and Dontrez handle it and you let this team, um, you know, figure it out with what they have or you bring in a guy. Chemistry fit. Chemistry matters. We saw that with Dawson Garcia. Everybody was ecstatic when he got there. Brady Manick didn't need to start. Dawson evidently did. Um, and I'm just pontificating my favorite word. Is um, your favorite word. It is my favorite word. But when um, he was not around anymore, um, you know, Manick was able to do what he did. Christian Keelan and Justin Pierce did as best they could. It's not That's, That was my point. I wasn't yeah. saying they were top it's, – it's not their fault time. that there were not great players. I mean, it's like I'm not gonna sit here and bash them. Yeah, I couldn't do what they did. So you know, yeah. And Keeling made some shots late in the season. What's the football question that came in? If oh yeah, I could, think we need to get into this. 
So if they go to the three three five, who are the the rivals? Uh, yeah, what you, I mean, Buck has written a mini a column on this recently on the whole scratching of divisions. Just give what are your no division thoughts before we get into the three three five? Do you like um, it? Do you hate it? I think it makes it tougher to make the ACC championship game for a team like Carolina. Why? Because you've got to beat everybody versus just your division yeah so so you not only have to beat clemson you may have to beat florida state you may have to beat louisville and i'm not saying beat them because you don't always play them but you got to be better than them in the standings whereas in the coastal you could beat everybody and you could get to the you know divisions you could get to the championship game now if you have a year where you don't play a louisville team and Clemson, say Clemson goes 8-0 in the conference or however many games they're going to play. And then Louisville goes 7-1. and one, um, And Carolina goes 6-2 and two, but never played Louisville. And Louisville didn't have to play Clemson or something. You know, I just so – it opens up a lot of different avenues. Um, that's not really the question the person asked. But I think that non-divisions, uh, not having divisions, opens it up for the elite teams to – or, or the higher, you know, the, the normal good teams to be even better, you know, because now Florida State doesn't have to beat Clemson to get to the championship game. You know what I mean? Sure, yeah. And uh, so it works both ways. Somebody asked, who would the rivals be? Well, if it's 3-3-5, three, three, um, I think Duke and State are 100% rivals, but I think it's got to be one of Virginia or Virginia Tech rather than Wake Forest. Why? Um, I just think you got You don't think they go that. three in state? No, I don't think so. I'd be interested to see it, but I mean, they haven't played Wake other than out of conference for so long. It's, you know, it's almost forgotten. And quite frankly, I don't see the benefit of playing Wake. People talk about the benefit of playing, um, you know, East Carolina or whatever. I think that's pretty much the same as playing Wake Forest, but I think Duke and State would 100% be in it. Now, the argument is Miami. Is it Miami, the other guy? Or the other one on the three. I don't know. What do you think? I think it's yeah. Virginia or Virginia Tech. And it's three, five, fives. The yeah. That's what it is. My bad. Because um, you play the three teams every year, and then you play five, and then you play five different teams the next year type deal. I do like um, that. I do like being able to play home and away series every four years with everybody in the conference. Because that would be – Is that every, that's not quite everyone, right? Ten – I guess it is 14 teams. Yeah, it is everyone. Um, I think, I mean, it obviously can't be like Duke has to be a part of it, which is something that I I would have no issue not playing Duke every year. I just, I just wouldn't, you know, like the games of, I mean, recently, I mean, I get it's still UNC Duke, but like if it was state, wake and then either of the virginia teams and then either of the miami teams i think that would be way more interesting um and way more fun to watch and and just i think it would be better for the teams um now granted having duke right now is kind of like a a throwaway game so i guess for that it's good um there is no way in hell someone said state miami uva see i think that would be fantastic every year now unc that's going to make it really hard to get to the 
Um, I mean, they play State Miami UVA every or every year right now anyway. But if you, I think, I think Duke's it's a free State way. Duke. I think it's State Duke and, and probably Virginia if they do it. There's no way in hell that Carolina plays a football season without playing Duke. Yeah, I know. I believe that when I see it. And there's a lot of powerful people that believe the same way. And uh, but who knows? I mean, we've seen crazier stuff. But I just there's no way that that Duke is not one of those rivals. What about nine conference games like the SEC is thinking about? Why not? Um, That's what I think. Why play four non-conference games when two were against what's their outcome? What's this year? Florida A&M and Georgia State app. Yeah. Notre Dame. Yeah, I'm all for getting rid of one app of the- and Notre Dame is great. I mean, if it's app Notre Dame and Florida A&M and then nine ACC games, heck yeah. I don't see the point in playing like, and no disrespect, because there's a lot of Campbell graduates that are Carolina football fans, but I don't see the point for either school playing Campbell. When do they play Campbell? In a couple of years, I think they come on the schedule. Yeah, I mean, I mean it's just a payday for Campbell. Yeah, I mean, I just, I don't, I don't see the point in playing those type of games. Nine ACC games would be fine. I, I do like playing I mean, in a situation where you play everybody home and away every four years. Whatever they do, they got to get that done because it is ridiculous that you don't get to play, you know. When was the last time they played at Clemson? I was just about to bring that up. I have no idea. I was about to look it up. Last time I remember, they lost by 100 when Bunning was the coach. (laughs) I know it's been since then. Um, Just because we talked about it. But, I mean, and playing at Florida State. I mean, uh, 2011. Oh, no, 2014. Carolina played at Clemson and they lost 50 to 35. I remember that. That was Queese. Actually, two of the last four games were at Clemson. Really? This yeah. Is, just <laughs> but they haven't season. played in eight years and it'll be longer. You know, like they're in a conference opponent and you haven't played at their stadium in eight years. Yeah. It doesn't make a, any sense. It's a great place to go see a, a football game, no matter what people say. It's out in the middle of nowhere. Um, you know, but it is a place to go. Let, let me let me look at buck stops here and about expectations. I have to figure out if I'm going to get um, on this train again this year because it is June first. So the standard set by the advanced metrics is eight and four. Like that's that's, that's the program. Like, I know. So it's like, is it going to be better than eight and four? Or is it going to be worse than eight and four? Is it going to be eight and four? I mean, I have no idea. We still What's don't know the, who the quarterback is. So let's start planning this, and people in the chat can help us out. So we do this over-under um, show. Oh, yeah, yeah, we yeah. We get, can... uh, we'll probably, well, we got to do it and earlier in August now since they play in week zero. We got, we got about a month and a half. We're going to go over-under wins. Yep. Are we going to do eight and, eight and five or 8.5, or are we going to do 7.5? Start. We're going to go. I think you uh, have to do 7.5. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, they, I mean, they went six. They went, they only won six games last year. Well, look, figure it out. All right. Keep going through your list. You need to make, so Josh Downs, this is tricky on Downs because I had Downs at 1250 last year. And I think I was over and I think I was right. If I'm not mistaken, where do we put him this year without 
Yeah, Sam you were right. Howell. He was 1335. Barely right, but you were right. So where do we put him this year? Is it 1250 again? Or do we drop it down to maybe 1100? Um, given the yeah, you have to, situation. And also expected, like more expected production out of other wide receivers. Like we knew going into the season last year that now we didn't know to what degree, but we knew it was going to be Josh Downs and then who else, right? Um, but now it's kind of like it's Josh Downs. We've seen, like we know Bryson Nesbitt is talented. Now whether or not his production's there, we haven't seen. But it's like, you know, it's like, a comfort level too. Now you saw one of the best quarterbacks ever to, to strap it up for Carolina, and he was comfortable with Josh Downs. Now you're going to see um, yep. one of two quarterbacks. That is brand new, fresh, relatively fresh. Are they going to have a comfort level with Downs? Or is he going to be their security blanket like he was um, Sam Howell's security blanket? You know, like Zach Pianalto was TJ Yates' security blanket. People. Um, yeah. I mean, if day. I'm coming in, I'm throwing it to the guy that I know is the dude. I'm throwing it to the guy I know is going to be open every time. And uh, so that'll be interesting. Team sacks or, or uh, individual sack number leader is it over eight and a half um or under eight and a half and who is it who's your I guy think, who are you going with uh you told miles to his face you'd go with him i was thinking i might have to go with miles <laughs> murphy i think murphy or ritzy might be the guy i don't look uh, des evans is finally where he's supposed to be i guess i'm not going to put the pressure on him this year yeah, I think, I think, I think, I think you heard me a little bit and I don't want to say I have that kind of power, but I am a proficient jinxer as they say. Is, uh, is miles Murphy going to be able to um, play it? Like he talked it when he talked to us after the spring game, that'll be an interesting thought. He definitely talked it and he and, walked it. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah. The DNA. I don't know if he walked, he walked it last year. He played like in the well. season. He played well. He played well. But, I mean, where are we going to set that line? Eight and a half? Nine and a half? Are we going to do a 10 sacks for somebody? Um, interceptions. This team needs to get in the passing lanes. Tony Grimes, interceptions. Over under five. Five and a half. Um, Storm Duck, more or less than Tony Grimes. Things like that. So, folks need to be thinking about that. I'm going to post on the message board at some point asking for – ideas on that we'd like to have fun with it i can promise you that there will be no 12 and 0 prediction this year <laughs> at, at the moment uh who knows what uh what connor barf's um, product will say when we get to that show but uh, um since we've talked about all three programs <laughs> baseball with scott forbes which if you're tuning in now or tuned in later scroll back to the beginning and watch that and i'll post it separate as well it was a great interview as they get ready for the regional this weekend but since we talked about all three programs if i had asked you in august right going back to august which program is more likely to walk away with an acc championship who would you have said i mean i think football is the easy answer i would have i would have said football program back in august knowing who was coming in for all the things i would have i would have said football i would have 100 probably said football yeah, I think I would have done football, baseball, basketball. How would you have ranked the programs in August, a year ago, going into the season as the best program 
the the big three, the big three men's sure. sports. How would you have ranked them? Football, football, basketball, baseball? No, football, baseball, basketball. Really? Yeah. And and so what were they? Baseball. Basketball, football. Oh no, basketball, baseball, football. Baseball. If so, baseball wins <laughs> Omaha, then that's how they have to surpass basketball. They have to win Omaha. Don't they just have to get there? No. Because Omaha's, I mean, that's eight teams there. You you can't Basketball finished as the number two team in the country. They were four points away from a national championship. I'm not convinced that. Just reaching that Omaha, you think the baseball team beats the no, basketball team? No, I think team? if they, say they get to the, I think equivalent would maybe get to the championship series. Yeah, the best of three. Sure, because they have an ACC. If they have an ACC title, they're the number. Two, they're a higher seed going into the tournament. Significantly, okay, I could see that. It is just, uh, you know, this this team and this program, these programs, and, and of course, you know, six and seven is not going to cut it for the football team. But for a meltdown in Raleigh, um, the day after Thanksgiving, this this program would have had quite a run through the local schools here, through the state of the North Carolina schools, and nationally. Um, if you want to talk about the basketball and the baseball teams, I mean, it's just a crazy year, and, and certainly. When football was in was struggling, we never thought it would be like that. You know what I mean? We knew that um, Jen Levy's lacrosse team would would run the things and do do good things, but we never thought we'd be talking about what we've talked about this year on Inside Carolina. You know what program UNC program did have the best season? It's got to be the women's lacrosse. Jenny Levy's squad. Yeah, twenty two and zero. Did you watch either of their? Final I saw four games. the comeback. The Northwestern? I mean, they were just you, replaying it. How are you down that far and survive and come back and then finish it off? I mean, it was, it was 14 to 7. I think we need to get her on the show, man. I know. That might be it. That's going to have to be a next week endeavor. That, uh, but, but yeah, to see them do it, I mean, Carolina fans and, and the thread on the NC State futility on the message boards is hilarious what is it, 192 opportunities to win something since 1992 and they've done it zero times is that the big three the big three and it includes divisional um, ACC regular season whatever they've done it none and to see what Carolina athletics have been able to do um, oftentimes out of the limelight and it's cool to see the lacrosse team to see you know, the field hockey team get a lot of press over the last couple of years. And to see those Courtney Bankhart's team is is coming along. So it's, it's been pretty cool. Um, and to see you out there covering the baseball team, to circle this back to where we started on this podcast, who'd have thought sitting in that Boshama Stadium watching that Georgia Tech game that this team would be hosting a regional starting on Friday at 2 o'clock. Did not ask him about that. They Play, Playing at 2 versus at 7, but. Oh, yeah, they prefer to play early because um, yeah. then you get you get more. Rest. If you lose, you play the early game on Friday. Um, and then if you win, you play the night game or on Saturday, you play the night game on Saturday. So playing early on Friday is always, always a go to. Um, so for people who don't know, UNC plays Hofstra at 2 p.m. on Friday. Hofstra's won nine straight. They just won their first ever conference title to get their first ever NCAA tournament bid. Tommy in their four. So the their schedule for their tournament was similar to Carolina's. They played four games. 
three of them they won via walk-off. And now they're in the tournament, which is pretty crazy. Yep. Um, and then they, if you win or lose, UNC plays the winner or loser of Georgia and VCU. VCU's won 15 straight. Georgia hasn't won a series since April. Um, they lost in the first round of the SEC tournament to Alabama, and they haven't they haven't won a series since April. So they're hungry. Um, Got a fun fact for you. Go for it. The one school that I that bit really hard turning down to go to Carolina for me. Like when you were deciding where to go to college. Yep. Bulldogs? Georgia. Are you the, a Georgia boy? The no, I'm born and bred here, but That's the one school that the my current uh rising sophomore at Carolina, the one no, we do not accept. That was the hardest to do before he accepted to Carolina. Georgia. Hmm. There's always been a place for Georgia for some reason. I don't get it. My it's mom weird. hates Georgia. Well, you're an Auburn person. So. I think she hates she hates Georgia more than she hates Alabama sometimes. Oh, I thought you were going to say more than likes Auburn. I was going to say, well, that's, that's... – No, she is very, very let's Auburn. Get, let's get out of here. Let's talk about, look, podcast schedules um, going forward on InsideCarolina.com. We're going to bring them to you like we always have. We're going – coast to coast going to still be a thing. Uh, weekly, hopefully, if not weekly, then every other week. They're great. Joey, uh, Sean, and, and – uh, Sherelle always do a great job with those. It's always a fun listen. Of course, the scoops, whether it's Don Callahan um, and Ross Martin, you know, won't come on on the beat live. We beg the guy to come on. He won't get on here. On the beat live will be a thing. We'll try to get some special guests, maybe a, a lacrosse coach in the coming weeks. We'll do some of that. Uh, Taylor Vipless in the Players Lounge. They're always cool to learn a little bit more about um, Carolina players than you might not uh have known if you didn't listen antoine greens was the most recent um there's another one coming up shortly and then emergency pods if something big breaks and as always joey and i'll try to put together some things over the summer but stay with us it's fun to do these podcasts um, a lot of people watch a lot of people listen um, and we'd certainly appreciate especially the iron who are the iron 65 tonight is it 65? A lot of Sean Crowley's in here. John Lasgrady's in here. Um, we had Douglas Wentz in here. No Slagle tonight. Yep. So he, Noah he Asbel, he was in here. He joined us the other week on the yep. fan show. And we um, might have to do another one of those. That was pretty cool. So. Oh, that was awesome. Yeah, and so. if you're a uh, Inside Carolina Premium subscriber, keep your eyes out on the Tar Pit Premium message boards and for whatnot for a lot of – Don's scoops and premium stories coming up month of June is pretty crazy as far as recruiting. So keep eyes peeled for who's coming to Chapel Hill, who's visiting and, and all of that stuff. It'll be a pretty crazy month with some recruit football recruiting and then baseball as well. So, yep. yeah. And if you're in uh if you're getting ready for Keenan stadium, section 209 will be the place to be uh, when it comes into watching the Tar Heels in Keenan on starting on August. What is it? FAMU week zero. August 30th. August 30th, maybe. It's before that, it's like 27th or something. Either way, we're getting Early. out of here. It's been on the beat live. Johnny T-shirt, JohnnyT-shirt.com. They're great sponsors. Look, go visit them. Go to the Bosch. Go to Chapel Hill this weekend to see the, the regionals. 
go to Johnny T-shirt, buy all your gear, go to the Bosch and watch a game. Come back on Saturday, do the same thing over and over. They've got some great stuff. All the NIL stuff for the players, you can get straight from Johnny T-shirt or Johnny T-shirt online. And, of course, if you see Gregory covering some baseball games or if you Come see say hi. me wandering around, just say hello. Uh, you know, it's always fun to talk to you guys. I've met a lot of you guys over the course of the last few years, and it's always fun to talk shop with Inside Carolina's premium subscribers. That'll do us tonight. Thanks, Gregory. It's always a pleasure.